So good to be here with you all this morning. Are you still in the presence of the Lord? Just because we're sitting down doesn't mean to say that we're not no longer in the presence of the Lord. We've been standing up, worshipping Him with arms stretched out, and He is here. But right now, we could be sitting down on the mountain of God and just looking out at His glory. And I just felt like this morning that there is a fresh call up to the mountain of God this morning, that each one of us can step into that place. It's good. It's good up the mountain. Just want to invite you up there, even as you're sitting there in your seats this morning. Lord, I pray that you would continue to move across this room in Jesus' name. Fill each person. Lord, enlarge our heart, enlarge our mind, enlarge us, Lord, so that we can carry the weight of your spirit, carry the weight of your glory and of your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Just as I was in worship, I was thinking about climbing the mountain of God. And um, we just came back from holiday yesterday. We've been away for a couple of weeks up in the far north. And, and we climbed a mountain. We climbed a, a few mountains, but this one is called Mount Maniah up in the Whangarei Heads. And uh, we went online afterwards and found out that there's over a thousand steps uh, to get up. Mount Maniah. It's, it's pretty amazing up there. And I saw this woman coming down as we were going up and she was counting the steps in her head. I saw her just whispering the count. I thought, good luck to that because you're going to lose count over a thousand steps. But it was amazing being up on this mountain. And, and the, the coolest part about the mountain is that there was no safety rails. Like you get up onto, there's a lookout sort of two-thirds of the way up, and it's a rock that you can stand on. And if you go too far, well, then you fall off. This is kind of my kind of place. I love being up high. But then as you continue up, you get onto the, the very top rock, and you can see just along the coastline, see the, the beach and the landscape all around. But there's just no, there's no safety rails. And I felt like the Lord saying that as we are in His presence, that we want to push back the limits push back. There's no safety rails in the presence and the anointing of God because He knows how to look after us. He knows exactly what we need. He will show us how to navigate the heights of His presence. And I feel like this year is going to be a year that He is going to take us higher to new levels, to new places in Him that we've never been before. And to get ready to climb. How do you climb the mountain of God? Well, you spend time in His presence, in His Word, like each line of the Bible is like a, a step, a step as we climb up the mountain of God, deeper revelation, fresh things that He wants to say to us. As we're in His presence, praying in tongues, as we're there, just it's opening the heavens above us. It's our spirit connecting with the Holy Spirit. It's awakening our spiritual senses to actually see what is operating around us. Because if we're just looking at the physical landscape around us, and that's where we put our hedge, our uh, uh, hopes on, if that's what we anchor ourselves in, well, we'll find that that is going to crumble. But if we anchor our hopes in eternity, that will endure and it will help us to navigate the days that we're going to step into. And I've got a prophetic word I want to share for 2024. But before then, um, Amy, I just saw you there and, and I felt like he's going to give you clearer prophetic revelation, that you're going to speak the word of the Lord, that he's going to uh, lift you higher to see clearer. 
oh man, it's so good when you see Claire and you just share what it is that you see. And uh, the Lord is opening and awakening our hearts and our minds uh, to see what it is that He sees with His Word so that we can declare what He is doing because there is a world that needs to hear what the Spirit of God is doing because if you just hear from the news people and the reporters and from the leaders, you're going to start to get pretty depressed pretty quickly. But if you listen to what the Spirit of God is saying, well, then you can actually be a source of hope and a source of light and of life and of joy to the world around you. This is what the world needs. It's called the good news of Jesus Christ. It is a salvation for our souls, but not just salvation so that we can end up in eternity, but it is salvation so that we can live a victorious Christian supernatural life while we're here on earth. There's not many days left. I don't know when he's coming back. Not too many days left, but I want to make every day count where I'm standing in the presence of God every day. Um, uh, Mary Rose, I, I just saw your, um, uh, I just saw the, the gifts, the gifts being poured out. I saw you ministering under the anointing, under the power of God. I saw the, the presence of God filling you and you overflowing. Um, sir here with the, the blue tie and the suit jacket, um, I just saw a, um, the, the weight of the Lord's favor on you. I felt like he's going to give you some plans, uh, plans for this year, and they're going to be God's plans. He's going to lay them out before you. Uh, you're going to sense a piece of the Spirit of God, and he's going to show you the step-by-step process. And, uh, and I saw people being drawn to you as well, because you've got an ability to, to lead, and you've got an ability to, to steer the ship. And so he's going to give you plans for the direction uh, for this coming year. And then next to you, just in the flowery dress there, um, yeah, I saw that there are um, so many things that the Lord has invested into you and things that you're not even aware of yet. But I feel like in this year that God is going to open up uh, gifts and packages, things that he's already invested into you. And you're going to be doing things. So it's a stepping out in faith year because he's going to call you into things that you haven't done before. But I, I feel like the Lord's saying that he has already prepared in advance uh, what it is that you're going to be doing um, because the anointing of God is on your life and you're just going to be stepping into the things that he has already prepared for you. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, Joanna, I just saw as you were worshiping the glory of the Lord coming down and filling you, and uh, you're just someone that carries the anointing, the presence of God, the worship of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and as you worship Him, as you worship Him, as the Spirit enables you to worship, people will get free around you. And so it's for you, but it's for those around you as well. And then lady just on the end, on the second row, just in the white. Um, yeah, I just, um, it was a straight arrowhead, a straight shot. And I felt like the Lord saying that he is going to um, uh, make straight your paths this year. Uh, no longer is it going to be walking around uh, a little bit unsure of the next step, but the Lord is going to give you a straight, clear vision for what it is that he would have for you this year. And so uh, we are in 2024, and I feel like we've got a, a few different starts to the year. 1st of January was a start. Uh, I arrived back, like I said, from holiday yesterday, so today feels for me like another start as well. And 2024 sounds to me like a, a future year, the year 2024. I remember back in primary school and <clears throat> walking around the library and, and there's a couple of books there, books about the future. 
And uh, there was one that said 2020. There was uh, <clears throat> the, the title of the book, 2020. This was probably in about 1986. And so 2020 is like, oh man, it's so far away. We've got to be doing all sorts of cool things in the future. And so it started talking about all this tech that was going to happen uh, that will be all, by this stage, will be all wearing suits. And the suits you dial up hot or cold and you only just need one pair of clothes. It's just the suit and it's going to just see you through every, <clears throat> every kind of day that you walk into. And I don't know if, if washing was kind of considered in that, whether we'd have one of those suits or many of those suits. But anyway, we're all going to be wearing these suits. We'll be driving uh, hovercrafts by now uh, as well. And, uh, and we'll be walking into our, our house and all the furniture will be below the ground. And then as we need it, we'll kind of rise up uh, from the submerged place and rise up and then we'll go back down again. So we've got this clear space in our house. And so um, all this furniture, this moving furniture will be taking place. And I think, well, what happened? What happened? Because right now I'm still wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I'm still driving along the ground. And the most moving piece of furniture I have in my house is my garage door. <laughs> and so they promised me a whole bunch of cool stuff, but it never has really quite come to fruition yet. And so the Lord said to me this, he said, the world will promise, but it actually won't deliver. The world will offer solutions, but it won't bring real change. The world will appear to shine for a moment, but it will dull very quickly. This is because the world is working on its own strength and is destined to fade. The opposite will be true for the kingdom of God and for the people of God. The Bible contains promises, many promises, and these promises hold for eternity. The Bible offers a solution, and that solution sets people free. The Bible is a light that will light up the whole world. There'll be a lot of discontentment um, in the world in, in 2024, but there will be peace, joy, and the manifest presence of God in the church this coming year. There will be arguments, division, and fighting in the world, but there will be unity, love, and a victorious living in the church. And just in the worship time, I, I felt the Lord, Psalm chapter 2, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. He says in verse 6, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. See, the, the Lord laughs because it doesn't actually concern him how difficult or how broken or how, how bad the world is going to get. And I feel like today that the theme of my message today is to not be concerned, not to be upset when you things not see things quite not working out quite right because the Lord is with you. The Lord will carry you through and he will cause you to make roads straight. He'll cause you to make things work. He'll cause you to bring the anointing into situations and turn people's heads so that they see Jesus. 
Isaiah 42, this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth and all the springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I'll take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to set free the captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I'm the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place. New things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. And so there's going to be a greater distinction between the the world and between the people of God, between those who do not yet know Him and those who have a living, breathing relationship with the Holy Spirit, those who are dwelling on the mountain of God, yet being in the earth at the same time, with our feet planted on the earth, with our hands raised to heaven. We're going to have a fresh, new, powerful anointing that is going to break chains from off people's lives. God's grace is going to reveal many strategies, heavenly strategies, because earthly ones will fail and they'll fall short. See, people set up these markers. They set up anchor points. They set up these things which helps to navigate life. God put the stars in place to mark out times and seasons and but some of the world's markers, they're going to shift and some of those anchor points are going to, going to crumble. But God's markers always point to him and his anchor points are enduring through every storm. And so with that in mind, uh, the message that I want to bring today is a, is a message that will cause us to ride through in victorious living full of faith, hope, love, full of the joy of the Lord, no matter what happens around us. And so I want to share just uh, from one of my favorite verses in the Bible that has helped me to navigate, but I feel like that this year, even more so, this verse is going to help us to navigate. And this is a verse I hope you'll hold on uh, from now until Jesus returns. And the verse is this, Psalm chapter 16, verse 8. And the way I have memorized it is, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. It's an important verse. It's quoted in Acts as well, but it's originally from Psalm 16, verse 8. The new um, NIV version says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And this, this is a faith statement. It's a declaration from a reality that we live in. It's a reality that we can live in from heaven to earth. And the reality is this, that each one of us, we are a child of God. We are a supernatural being. We are people that dwell with the Spirit of God living inside of us. But catch this, I I love this verse because it's broken down into three parts. It says this, I have set the Lord always before me. That's past tense. The decision has already been made. Because he is at my right hand, that's present tense. It's an awareness of the Holy Spirit here and now around us. I will not 
be shaken. That's future tense. It shapes my outlook. It shapes my worldview. It shapes the way that I live. And so I have set the Lord always before me. I've already made that decision. It's already been decided, which makes it easy because I don't have to re-decide again. And there's some decisions in life that we can already pre-decide so that when the situation comes up, we already know what we're going to do. This is what this verse is encouraging us to do. I have set the Lord always before me. It's in the past because he is at my right hand, here with me, here and now, in the present, I will not be shaken. I have an unshakable, eternal confidence in my future because the Holy Spirit is in me as a seal guaranteeing my inheritance in the saints. And so I, I've loved this verse. It's helped me to, to hold on and, and actually over the the last uh, number of years when I've been working with uh, Open Doors, uh, this verse has really been highlighted to me again. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand, I'll not be shaken because there are people doing battle in the world that really need to hold on to supernatural truth and life. I remember this um, Syrian woman uh, what she would do is, is she would go up into these rebel-controlled areas delivering food and supplies to the people in the hills of Syria. Really dangerous because these rebels, I mean, they're, they're armed with, uh, with weapons and, and guns, and it's their area, but she felt at the call of God to help out some of these isolated families who live in the hills and in the mountains of Syria. And so she would go up by herself. And she would go up uh, by herself, uh, one, because uh, she was less likely to be seen if it was just a single person, and also because no one else was brave enough to go with her. And so she'd go up into these hills, and, and then one day the, the rebels discovered where it was that she lived. And so they came and they circled her house. And they had weapons, they had guns and, and knives, and, uh, and they, they were yelling at her from outside the house, Aren't you afraid that we have come here to kill you? That was their mission. They had come to take out this woman. She had been invading their territory, and they had come to take her out. Now, in her house at the same time, there were these other women in the house as well. So if they, if they get in, they kill her. They kill these other women as well. And so she's holding back the door. She's holding back the door with her hands. And, and I see this as like this um, uh, standing in the gap. It's uh, this place of faith where the enemy is on the outside. There she is holding back the door. And then there's these women behind her and she's protecting herself and protecting them. And she yells back to the men who have just yelled at her. And she says, I'm not afraid of you. The God of victory is in here with me. And that was her faith response to these men on the outside wanting to come and kill her. She yells back this faith response, I'm not afraid of you. I've got the God of victory in here with me. And she says, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened as I yelled that back to them, but they simply couldn't find the door. They simply couldn't get inside. I mean, they had all these guys. She said, I don't know, maybe it was like in Genesis with Lot. He was in the house and the angels struck them all with blindness. They couldn't get in the house. She says, I don't know what happened. I was there just holding the door back and they slowly, one by one, went away. And I don't know whether if she had had perhaps a 90% faith response, would that same thing have happened? 
you know, maybe a 95% faith response, but her faith response was 100%, I am not afraid of you. I've got the God of victory in here with me. And because of that, a miracle call took place. She was saved, and so are those women. Now, about a month later, these same rebels came back to her house, but this time with an invitation. And the invitation was to go and see the leader of the rebels because he wanted to meet this woman. She prayed and she felt in her heart that, yes, uh, this is something that the Lord would have her to do. And so she went with these men and they escorted her into this hill country. And then she stood before the leader of the rebels. He looked at her and he was amazed. And he said, when men stand before me, they shake in fear. Why are you not afraid of me? And her response was, are you sure you want me to tell you why I'm not afraid of you? Will you give me permission to speak? And he's like, well, okay then. And so for the next 25 minutes, this woman starts preaching the gospel. The God of mercy, the God of love, the God of victory. She's preaching to these guys. She's being held at gunpoint with these guys all around her. This is one of the most unlikely places in the world that you'll ever hear the gospel message. But she's preaching the word of God to these men who want to kill her, and she's not being touched. And then towards the end of her speaking, the the leader of the rebels, she looks at him, and there's some tears rolling down his cheeks. It's the first time that he has ever heard this message of grace and love and hope and truth. And then she turns around and walks back out alive. And to the best of my knowledge, she continues to go up into that hill country delivering these uh, supplies to, to these families and to these people. And I think of this response. And she says, I'm not scared of you. I'm not afraid of you. And that is not a natural response. I mean, that's got to be a supernatural response. I mean, it's quite nuts, really. If you're going to say that, you're either nuts, you're, you're totally lost it, and you, you know that you're just going to be, be killed, or you're living from a different place. You're living from a different level. You're different, living from a, a different reality, a different height. You know that life can come and go so easily, and especially in a place like that. But she has made this decision past tense. She has already set the law before her. Therefore, because he is at my right hand, I will not then be shaken. And so for us, I don't think that many of us may have experienced situations like that quite But there is this call to us today to have that perspective, to hold on to that verse, to be on the mountain of God, to see clearly, to be in His presence, to be people who don't live with our anchors low down, our anchors and markers on the the world below us, but our anchors and markers in heavenly places so we can live from those places and be light and be truth and bring life to the world around us. So there are shifting markers in the world, and, I, and we'll see that. We'll see these ideas, and then they won't work, and then these other markers will come and go, and people will be shifted. But I just want to say that, that for us, let's not get worked up. Let's not get uptight. 
Let's hold Jesus Christ as the, the center of our life, knowing that he is the one that has all things under his control and it's all rolling out in his plan. But it's actually the Lord's grace. When these things shift, when they change, when they crumble, it's actually the Lord's grace because what he is doing is giving a message to the world because, of course, creation cries out and declares holy is the Lord, but, but the, the world preaches actually that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so it's by grace that these things crumble so that people will look, break free from what it is they're bound by, turn their heads for a moment, for a moment, just enough time for them to look, glimpse heaven, perhaps glimpse one of us who carry the message of truth and to be able to bring that truth to them to pull them out. And so Psalm chapter 16 uh, where this verse comes from, this, uh, this psalm was, was written by King David. And he had some moments in his life where he could fully have been shaken. So he had a, a huge amount of moments. God was working on him, working on his character, working on his trust so that he would continue to hold on to the Lord. Therefore, he can write verses like this that we can hold on to now. And I was just thinking about a few moments in David's life. I've got three moments here. This first moment, when all the, the women and all the children were, were captured and, uh, and his men uh, considered stoning him because they were in so much grief. And so what had happened was David and his armies, uh, his army, his, his small army, had gone out to fight alongside with the Philistines because he was living in their territory at the time. And so he went out with them to, to help out. And then the Philistines decided, uh, well, actually, uh, what if David turns on us? Um, then our defeat is going to be uh, huge, and he's going to win back the favor of his master Saul. And so David was marching out there. The men are ready for battle. Um, I mean, when you are psyched up for, for battle, you don't really want to, in that, in that space, turn away and turn out of it because you've already been psyched up into it. But then the, the king turns to him and says, sorry, David and your men, you can't come with us into battle because the men are saying, well, what if you turn on us? And so basically David and his army are rejected, they're disappointed, they turn back and they come back to their home only to find the smoldering ruins of a, a raiding band that had gone through and destroyed everything, looted everything, taken all the women and all the children. And then on top of that, David's men, because there's so much grief, decided, you know what, we're going to uh, stone him and they're talking about stoning him. And so David was in this really intense place, this really intense situation. And so a question, have we ever been stripped of everything like that? Have we had everything taken from us? Perhaps not to that extent, but these are some questions to, to put yourself to remember back. Is there anything that has been stripped away from me? Well, David's response was he found strength in the Lord his God. And I want to come back to that term, he found strength. Second moment, um, now David, later on, he decided to, to count all his fighting men to find out how powerful he was. So it was a prideful undertaking, and it actually put the entire nation at risk. And then God gave him three options of three punishments to give him. And so David, he made this mistake, a huge mistake that was going to cost him and his, old, his whole country, and it was a, a public thing. 
And so a question, have we ever sinned? Have we ever made a mistake that seemed to be the end of everything? You could really think that in David's situation, that that could feel like the end of everything. But David's response was he admitted his mistake, he repented, and the Lord forgave him. See, there's always that place, that space of being able to come back to God and repent, even though that we know that we've done the wrong thing. People who didn't do that was Judas. I mean, he didn't repent. He could have potentially repented. Ananias and Sapphira, they could have repented. Maybe even Cain back in Genesis, he could have repented for for killing Abel. But David, he admitted his mistake. He repented and the Lord forgave him. And then there was that third moment in David's life where he was forced to walk out of Jerusalem. He had been made king. He was in that kingly position, but then his son Absalom assumed that kingly position, and basically David decided to walk out of Jerusalem so that there wouldn't be a fight, and he would give it over to his son. And so a question, has your dream ever been cut short? Have you ever walked away from your purpose or your calling? Well, David's response was he surrendered his will, he surrendered his dream and his calling into the hands of God, And eventually, God restored him to his rightful position. Are we willing to walk away from a few things, knowing that God, in his mercy and in his grace, will actually bring us back because his gifts and call are irrevocable? What he has declared will take place. And sometimes we want to try and grab hold of it in our own strength, try and make it happen ourselves. But the Lord is saying that it is in his timing, it is in his way, it is in his purposes because he, he sees greater, he sees further, he sees wider. And so in all these things, David had to live by these words, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand, I'll not be shaken. And I just wanted to have a look at that, um, that term, David found strength, just in this first moment here. And, um, and so 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3, it says this, When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength less to weep. And, you know, sometimes things do get taken from us. I remember when I had my, my bag taken from me. It wasn't quite as big as what David was enduring here, but I was living in Kathmandu, Nepal at the time. I just lived there for a year, and I was due to come home, had a year-long visa, and I went for my last shop in the supermarket, and in the supermarket, you had to put your bags on a shelf, and then there was a guard that would guard all your bags and do it going in shop and then come back out again. And so I went out to get my bag, and I was looking up and down, and I, and I couldn't find it. I looked at the security guard, and, and he evidently either hadn't seen the kids uh, uh, run away with it, or perhaps he allowed them to run away with it. I'm not quite sure uh, what happened there. But it had in my bag my... Um, a whole bunch of money, but I also had my passport, which to, to get me out of the country. 
And so um, if I didn't have my passport, well then, I mean, what do I do? I'm overstaying or, or whatever. So I had to then go to the, the consulate, try and extend my visa, had to think about going to India, cross the border, come back again. Uh, just a, a huge hassle. And so um, it was, but in that, that moment, there was almost like this sense that, you know what, the Lord is going to look after this. It's, it's going to be all good. It's going to be all, all fine. And, and actually, as I had gone through and, and overstayed for a bit, but then got a, um, an exemption to do that, just before I left, the passport actually did get returned with a, a little note on it saying, sorry very much. And um, but the bag and the, the, the money, that, I mean, that was all gone. But that, was, that was fine. So I got these, these two passports. And, but I had, that, I had that taken. But, you know, it, it actually, with the Spirit of God just leading us, guiding us, Him saying, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Well, then you just get through these things until the next time. And so it's a matter of really um, just pushing in and holding on to the Lord. So then it says in this verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were, looking, were, were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And this, this phrase, frown strength, if you look back in the uh, original Hebrew of this phrase, there's actually these three layers of meaning. And one is, the first layer is to urgently press in. The second meaning is to repair. The third meaning is to grow strong. So to find strength is actually to urgently press in, to repair, or to grow strong. And so as we take a deeper look in, in the Word of God, we actually see a, um, a deeper revelation taking place. And so this idea of urgently pressing in, when we get attacked, when something gets taken from us, when we step into a place of trauma, it is time critical that we turn to the Lord as soon as we can. Because the devil would seek to draw us away. And I just feel like there's going to be opportunities where we're going to have to press into the Lord in a time-critical way. And there's no time like now. The longer it takes us to turn to God, the longer it takes us to find repair and freedom again. Seek the Lord while he may be found. This is Isaiah 55, 6. Call on him while he is near. There is this time element. I feel like this morning, perhaps there has been things that have happened to us and we haven't quite resolved them as yet, that we need to press in to the Lord. And I feel like the Lord's saying that today is the day that we need to press into Him How now. Seek the Lord while He may be found. The point is that God is always near us, always close to us, but it's us that drift away from Him. And if we drift too far, well, then it's so difficult for us to come back to Him again. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Secondly, to repair. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The Bible also says that by his wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 2.24 Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted, he binds up their wounds. Jeremiah 30.17, but I will restore your health 
and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. So there is this restoring that can take place as we turn to Him, as we find strength in Him. And thirdly, to grow strong. 1 Peter 5, And the God of all grace, who has called you into His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And so there's this call this morning for us to reach out to Him, to turn to Him, to find strength in the Lord. And as we do that, as we urgently press in, there will come this repairing, there will come this growing strong. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's being strong in His presence. It's coming to Him. So the Lord is calling us in this morning to to press in to find strength in Him. It's time critical. It's urgent. We need to do it now. To make this decision, I've set the Lord always before me because He's at my right hand, I'll not be shaken. Just a final verse here in Hebrews 12. It says this. Hebrews 12, 26. At that time, His voice shook the earth. But now He has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicated the removing of what can be shaken that has created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So that what cannot be shaken may remain, and that is you. That is you and me. We if we have our anchor in God, if we have our anchor in eternity, then we will not be shaken. But we need to make these decisions beforehand that we will not be shaken, that we'll turn to Him quickly, that we'll come into the presence of our God. Let's stand this morning. And what I want to do this morning is I want to create a space for us to, to respond. I feel like as we look forward to this year, that the Lord wants to set us up well. He's calling us up higher to look with His vision, with His perspective. He's calling us to make a decision that we will set God before us. With Him at our right hand, we will not be shaken. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to open up the altar here. If you want to make a decision and you're saying today, you know what? I want to set God always before me. If you want to make that decision today, I want to pray. I want to impart something fresh to you this morning. You can come forward. You can come forward if you want a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit because you're aware that He is here right now because He is at my right hand because He is here right now. And also, you can come forward if you want to solidify those anchor points in your life, the anchor points of the Spirit rather than the anchor points of the world. You may be thinking about uh, various uh, thoughts. It's um, investments, perhaps, or it's um, plans that you have. It's physical things of the earth. And and these are things that the Lord wants to bless you with. But we can't have anchor points in those areas because they could crumble, they could shift, they could fall. But as we have our anchor in Jesus, as we have our anchor in Him, Oh, Holy Spirit, we worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for being with us every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with your anointing. 
that we can be strong in you, even when the world seems to be shaken, even when the, the people around us seem to be fearful and we start finding ourselves in these conversations where it's negative and fearful, but we can bring the light and the truth of Jesus Christ. We can express how it is that our hearts are set on eternity. I just sense this, the Spirit of God just beckoning us to come forward. I feel like here this morning there are some people that are in need of repair. I feel like the Lord's saying there's that element of repair. You think about some of the things that have happened. But the Lord is saying that He's got a, a call over your life. And sometimes the things that we hold on to do hinder us from fully stepping into what the Lord has for us. But I feel like the Lord's saying that this is a, a place of mercy this morning, a place of repair, a place where you can come and be filled with His presence, with His anointing. So this morning is... As I continue to, um, to pray, as we come into a, another time of, of worship and, and ministry, I invite you to come forward. If any of those areas apply to you, you want to make a declaration, yes, I'm setting God before me. Yes, I acknowledge that He is here. Yes, I'm in a, a place where I want to be repaired, renewed in your presence, Lord. Yes, I want to make those decisions that whatever happens, I will not be shaken. Lord, I thank you for what it is that we can hold on to that eternal promise, that eternal truth. Oh, Jesus.